Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The world is run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff. This is the Press Box. I didn't know that. If you keep having me sign in and saying, are you a robot? I got to pick out like the stoplights. I got to pick out the freaking trees. I got to pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodgers gear is on the way, all right? With Grainy and Bischoff. Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But now it's time for the robot test. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared on a Friday. We love Fridays. I had to do the stoplight thing like two days ago. I haven't done that in a while. I was just going to tell you. I haven't had to do that in a while. I haven't been di- buying they, any Dodgers I haven't been. I guess I haven't been buying any stuff. They discontinued his credit card. That's right. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be my credit card. When you're selecting, you ever to me? <laughs> when you're selecting stoplights in the pictures, do you pick the one that has the pole but no actual light on it? Uh, no, no. I try to pick the one. Right. I do pick the one with the half light. Yeah, with if it's just oh, if it's got, got, got the, a sliver of the light, you got to. Yeah, pick you got to pick that one. That's how they know you're not a robot. Yeah. A robot would be like, what's that? No, I I haven't I haven't had to do that in a while. I don't. I what, did you buy something? I cannot remember where I was. No, I don't think I was buying anything. I don't remember what website I was trying to access, but it asked me for the stoplight quiz, and I nailed it. Passed it with flying colors. Yes, you nailed it like Pete DeBoer did the Bud Light after beating the Golden Knights. <laughs> Most of the time, I just get the box that says "check here," says I'm not a robot. Yes, check exactly. here, because apparently when you do that, it like monitors your your mouse movements. Because if you were a robot, it would move in a very specific way. And as a human, we don't move in a perfect way. And that's why you just check a box now. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> this this world is amazing about what they want to know from us and really what they do know from us. Yes. That's I, the scary part, they, what they know about us. I will say that I got a YouTube ad yesterday that was like, oh, the reason you're seeing this ad is you've been shopping for cars. And I was like, I have not been shopping for cars, but it's weird that you're assuming that I have been. Did you Google cars at all? I mean, I Google cars all the time. I I like cars. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm looking at Chevettes and just going, I bet I could put a big engine in a Chevette. I don't know if it's true, but I saw a TikTok about the Detroit Lions and how they're using cameras in their stadium. And, like, one of the examples was they send their mascot to the sections that are most heavily populated by children. Oh, so the cameras tell them where all the kids yeah. are? So the cameras oh. basically give, shoot back demographics to them to give like age and race and everything on each section. And whichever ones have the highest density of children, that's where the mascot goes. Oh, well, it wouldn't be where you're at. No, God, no. Well, sometimes I end up there at these <laughs> damn games. It's a nightmare. <laughs> that's technology based on uh, the Vatican, right? The first bite. Who will be playing in the Super Bowl? Uh, do I have to stay with them? No. You keep you saying don't. no. You, you keep saying no. You hold yourself to this weird <laughs> standard of I picked the Bengals eight weeks ago and I can't change. And at one point we were told you're not allowed to make picks. So. <laughs> Nobody cares if you change and pick the Chiefs. It doesn't All right. matter. All right. All right. Bengals, Eagles. All right. You're sticking with them anyway. I'm, I'm going to stick with them. I'm going right. to stick with them. I don't want to be a guy that goes back and forth. <laughs> no one would judge you if you were. <laughs> like last year on a week-to-week basis? The, 
And the damn point spread on the game has gone back and forth the yes, last three days. Roller coaster. You're allowed to change who you think is going to win the AFC over the course of eight weeks. I'm torn. On what? <laughs> on who's going to win between the Bengals and Chiefs. So is everybody I, betting on the game, apparently. I do like the Niners, mostly because uh, Starkest nonsense. So I'm going with, uh, excuse me, the Eagles. Okay. Mostly because of the Starkest nonsense yeah. with the 49ers. We don't want the 49ers. Well, we don't want that. That wouldn't be fun at all. Um, I Okay. You remember a couple weeks ago when they announced the the all pro teams, mm-hmm. people were upset that Max Crosby, Max didn't, Crosby make didn't make first or second team the all pro team. Yeah, so I guess I maybe at the time I should have put a little bit more effort into this, but like it was Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and Hassan Reddick that were the four edge rushers over Max Crosby, right. and. I don't know that there's much of an argument for Crosby over Parsons, Bosa, or Garrett. I mean, I guess you could make the argument, but it was always Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick had 16 sacks this year. I just found that out. How was anybody upset that Max Crosby didn't get in over Max Crosby at 12 and a half? Right. And I know it's not all about sacks. The guy had a sack almost every game. Well, did we see any outrage other than from Raider fans? No, that's true. I mean, I did because I, our Twitter handles are probably so full of Raider fans and Raider media and all of that. That's kind of where I saw it from. I don't know if anyone in you know other parts of the country like, oh, how did Max Crosby make one of these two teams? But it's I don't know. It's just Hassan Reddick's really good, and he had 16 sacks this year. So here's what I'm curious to see in Eagles Niners: two things. First one is the Eagles defense getting pressure on Brock Purdy because the 49er, or excuse me, the Cowboys got pressure mm-hmm. on Brock Purdy. Now they didn't have a bunch of sacks and they didn't force the turnovers, which has been one of the biggest keys to Brock Purdy's success. He doesn't turn the ball over, but the Eagles are also going to get pressure. They led the league in sacks this year with 70. Hassan Reddick had 16. What happens when they get pressure on Purdy? Do they, does it lead to another game where San Francisco scores 19 points or less than that? Because if San Francisco scores 19 points, I do not believe they are winning against the Eagles. And I kind of think that's where the Eagles win this game is their pressure on Purdy limiting that offense. And then on the other side of this, can the Eagles run the ball effectively against the 49ers? You're talking about a really, really good defense and a good run defense. The difference here, the Eagles defense, phenomenal against the pass, but they're kind of average against the run. Niners are great against both. And can the Eagles run on the 49ers? I've read a couple of things this week about, well, the 49ers haven't really faced rushing quarterbacks this year, quarterbacks that'll beat them in the run game. And this will be the biggest, obviously the biggest, obviously the most, the best one so far. And maybe that's a, a slight difference that would expose the 49ers defense in a way that we haven't seen so far this year. So those are really, I think the, the two big questions for me and the two areas that I think the Eagles can win this game. Jalen Hurts doesn't have to run for 112 yards to beat the Niners because I think they're going to hold them to 17 points because I don't really have that much faith in Brock Purdy against the Eagles defense. Okay, so you got the Eagles. I do have the Eagles. I'm boring and think both home teams are winning. Okay, so you're thinking you're taking Kansas City. Yeah, which is, in all honesty, the only reason I'm taking Kansas City is just because I believe in Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's it. Like if you if you go through the four teams that are left, um, EPA offensively they're one, three, four, and five, so right. they're all equal. Right, all of the offenses phenomenal. The defenses though, right? 
Niners are top, or I think Niners were one. Philly was three. Cincinnati was like seven or eight. And then Kansas City's like 16 or 17 in defensive EPA this year. So the Bengals, you can make a pretty good argument for, are a better overall team than the Kansas City Chiefs. They have more paths to victory. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to win on Sunday or in the Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the field. That's really their only path to victory. Now, lucky for them, he's usually the best player on the field. But the Bengals, the Bengals can win a game if Joe Burrow plays like a C or B game. They can win if Joe Burrow's not the greatest he's ever been. They well, can win. Because, I mean, they ran the ball against Buffalo. Right. They could they could win because they run it effectively. They can win because their defense gets a great pass rush on Mahomes. The only real way the Chiefs win is if Mahomes is phenomenal. Every other team left has, you know, multiple paths to victory. The Chiefs only have one, but I believe in Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think they win the game anyways. Even with the ankle. Yeah, I... He came back and played a whole second half. Yeah, he was limping around. He was a full participant yesterday. He's, yeah, he's had a whole week. Whatever that means. I with mean, practicing. Hell, Eric Bieniemy gave the quote yesterday. I wish I was getting what he was getting, talking about whatever trucks they're yes, giving Patrick exactly. Mahomes. <laughs> and that so, dude wonders why he can't get a head coaching job. <laughs> so, I just, I just believe in Mahomes. The only... The only outside of Mahomes, the only other aspect of Cincinnati that I would say, oh, that's worrisome, their offensive line. You know, they were dead. What were they down? They held Three up pretty starters. well against Buffalo. It was very good against Buffalo. But how I mean, long can is they a, do? Uh, yeah, can they do that again? How long is a beat up offensive right. line going hold to to hold up? And that's I think something that could be an issue for them, even against Kansas City, who's not. We're not talking about a phenomenal defense or a phenomenal pass rush. They're just sort of average. That's the one area and a little bit of a look ahead. If the Bengals do win and they're rolling out, whatever, three backup offensive linemen against the Eagles, I don't think there's any way they win the Super Bowl against the Eagles or the Niners. I think that that offensive line gets torched by both of those teams, but I'll be boring and take both the uh, home teams in Philly in Kansas city, Kelsey bowl. Oh, it would be the Kelsey bowl. Do they still do their podcast right before the Super Bowl? I hope so. <laughs> do they do a podcast right after the Super Bowl? I hope so. Like, whoever loses has to go walk in and talk to his brother for an hour. <laughs> like, I mean, right after. Like, they, they do the post They don't even take their yeah. uniforms off. They, the winner doesn't even get to go celebrate with a trophy. Yeah, he, he just go gets to go to the podcast and make fun of his brother. It's too bad one of them doesn't play defense, so they at least got to, like, tackle or block each other. Because if you're both on offense, you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, yeah. we played against each other in the Super Bowl. But if they were on offense and defense, then they'd have to yeah, block each other really and play tackle each, each other. other. It'd be way more fun. So, yeah, I, I apparently have the Kelsey Bowl lined up and ready to go for Super Bowl Sunday. And here's the other question for you. If the Bengals win, if your pick wins, <laughs> what are we doing with Joe Burrow in that scenario? Because I think kind of regardless of how he plays, Joe Burrow is, if they beat the Chiefs. And he goes to the Super Bowl again. Monday morning, the, the like top topic on every sports show will be Joe Burrow. Is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the NFL? 100% will be the the conversation. And we'll we'll have Charles McDonald on next week to say no, it's Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> which I'll agree with most likely. But that's going to be the conversation and it's going to be like sort of what level of stardom is Joe Burrow in and he'll he'll be in that top tier with Mahomes, but that'll be the conversation on Monday is where does Joe Burrow sort of land in this? Well, I, I don't think no matter what happens this weekend, I'll put him ahead of Patrick Mahomes. I don't either. Um, 
Do you care? I was listening to the previous show. Do you care about the arrogance? Because I think it's kind of cool. Who's arrogant? Joe, Joe Burrow? Burrow? No. Like how he acts. I love it. No. I love how he acts. I'm not even sure I'd call that arrogance. I don't either. I, I'd call it aloofness. Like he doesn't care I just about love the situation. How he acts. And they were talking, you know, it was the, uh, when I was driving in about, and they were saying, asking the same question, will, will he be the, could he ever be the face of the NFL? I mean, ever is a long time, so I don't know why he couldn't be. But uh, they say it's a pretty much a and you you Jared says aloofness. It was a combination of confidence and arrogance. There's somewhere in between how he acts. I love how he acts. I would rather Joe Burrow and any athlete that is you know on a good team. Uh, yeah, a good team have overwhelming confidence and arrogance than the guy who has nobody believed in us. Oh, absolutely, no <laughs> respect. Nobody believed in us. We've been ranked number one all year. No one cared about us. Those are the best. Like Those are the best. Last year, Evan McPherson. The Georgia players were saying right. that. Oh, yeah, they were. Last year, Evan McPherson, before he kicked the game-winning field goal for Cincinnati to send him to the Super Bowl, right? The whole story was he said before they snapped the ball, we're going to the Super Bowl, right? I prefer that over nobody believed I could make yeah, that kick. Exactly. My high school coach said I'd never make a 40-yarder to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Like, whatever, dude. So I prefer the arrogance over some sort I of fake too. chip on the shoulder because we see so many times athletes that they're just, I, they're just fraud. I guess they need it. They need the fake chip on the For shoulder. What, motivation? They, right. They need to believe that people don't believe in them. And so it's, uh-oh, we were never ranked lower than third, but nobody believed yeah. we could do this. Sign the Georgia Bulldogs. The one I can't remember, the guy who didn't play. I can't remember who it was for Georgia that said, "Oh, some people had us going seven and five. Yeah. <laughs> no, they did. No, not. they did not. No, they did not. <laughs> Most people, nobody has you losing five games over the next yeah. five years. Exactly. You've got twenty more season. first round picks. Nobody had you going seven and five. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into the Golden Knights as they are back in action tonight. Ball's coming in. Boquist toward the net. Sliding save. Rebound. Another save. It's under Thompson. He does the splits twice. Somehow he keeps the puck out of the net both times. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Grady and Tyler Bischoff. Golden Knights have two games left before the All-Star break, and I believe the entire Pacific Division is going to have the same break as the Golden Knights here. It's just some Eastern Conference teams that are playing uh, over the five days leading up to the All-Star break. Uh, but if you look at the standings right now, Seattle is technically in first place. They have 61 points, same as the Golden Knights, but Seattle has played two fewer games, giving them a better overall record. And the Golden Knights are simply one point ahead of the LA Kings. Are you finding the standings in the newspaper? Uh, no, in the newspaper, David Shane, Knights, no longer the favorites in oh. the Pacific. Oh, yeah. Seattle's surpassed them? Seattle's surpassed them, uh, plus 190, Golden Knights plus 260. Oilers are close, a plus 270, so uh, the Knights are falling. The Golden Knights, and yet uh, the Golden Knights to win the uh, West, second only behind the Avalanche. That makes sense, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So the Pacific Division right now, the top four is very tight. Seattle's at 61, Vegas at 61, LA at 60, and then Edmonton at 58. Now, there have been some different games, amount of games played in there that make it a little bit different. The interesting part to me, though, is still Calgary. So Calgary is the fifth best team in the Pacific, and they are six points off of Vegas and Seattle, so not really that far. But if you look at expected goals and Corsi, 
Calgary is a top five team in the NHL this year. The problem for Calgary is their bottom five in both shooting percentage and save percentage this season. Basically, Calgary's playing well most of the time, but they can't score and they can't, can't get a stop save. anybody. And so they're on the outside of the playoff picture. But they're a team that I think we should also include in this because if they just get some shooting luck, right? If they start shooting it off Braden McNabb's knee and it goes into the net every now and then, Calgary's probably going to be in this mix too. And we might have a legitimate five-team race for three spots Mm -hmm. in the Pacific Division, which will be a lot of fun. I mean, if we get down to the last 15 games of the season and there's legitimately five teams that could finish one, two, three in the Pacific, that will be an incredibly fun end of the season. And we'll be sitting on here every day being like, well, the Calgary Flames won, the Seattle Kraken lost, and now the Golden Knights have jumped from fourth to second in the Pacific, which will be fun. Can't wait for that. Now, Mark Stone. Uh, Golden Knights are 1-4-1 and one since Mark Stone left. Uh, they beat Washington, although apparently we are discrediting that win because the Capitals... Yes, the Capitals were here far too <laughs> early to be playing, let's say, uh, with all their faculties. And they had an overtime loss to New Jersey. Bruce Cassidy yesterday, he said this about Mark Stone. Hopefully on the other side of the break, we'll see him. That's what I was told originally. That would be a good possibility but I guess until we get back to Vegas, that's a tough one to answer. So <laughs> I don't think he knows anything. That about was Mark my takeaway from <laughs> Does it. Does he know anything that's so happening with Mark Stone? They genuinely they went, okay, wait, we hired another coach who will just say whatever he thinks <laughs> to the media. All right, guys, just don't tell him. Just <laughs> I don't tell him about who's injured. He that way he won't have to lie. I almost believe that's what happened here. Because he says, hopefully we see him on the other side of the break. And he's like, that's what I was told originally. So Mark Stone gets hurt. And whenever they diagnose they say like him, three weeks, four weeks, they whatever. give a timeline. Right. They give a timeline. And Cat, that Cassidy hears that. And then they just never, Cat, there's never another conversation with Bruce Cassidy again <laughs> about Mark Stone. Because now he's like, well, they told me that a couple weeks ago. But I you haven't know, asked since. You know, now that you mention it, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> <laughs> so... The other part of this that I add, because um, Emily Kaplan, when the Golden Knights played the other night, they were on ESPN Plus. So Emily Kaplan, uh, she had a report about Mark Stone, and she said, too, that Mark Stone will be out through the All-Star break, but should be back after that. Are we are we reading this or taking these quotes as though he's back like the first or second game after the All-Star break, or is this just a catch-all hey, he's out until after the All-Star break, and it could be another two weeks, two months, or something like that. Uh, I don't know about two months, but I'd say the latter for a couple weeks or a week or two. I don't, I'll be surprised if if it's, and Emily Kaplan also reported it was another back injury. I don't know if it's the exact same one, but another back injury. So I'm going to tell you I'll be surprised if the first game after the All-Star break, he's back. I would be too. I mean, just to hear back injury from a guy who just had back surgery, I right. think I'll be surprised whenever he comes back. If you told me he came back next season, I'd be like, oh, that's still probably not smart. Your back hurts and you're playing hockey. Um, so I guess uh, we'll see what happens when he does come back. They kind of need him to come back. That would be helpful if they had Mark Stone playing. Well, Jack Eichel certainly wants him back. Jack Eichel's not doing much of anything right now. He's He's a passenger. He's there. <laughs> Well, no, Ed made, Ed made the point yesterday. He might not even be a passenger anymore. 
He might be. I said yesterday. He's Jerry, standing you know the outside kid? the bus. No, with you his know the thumb kid out? in the school bus who goes and 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 he wants to sit down, but every kid's like, no, no, Aww. no, all the way to the back of the bus. No, you're not sitting here. We once duct taped the bus driver's uh, son to the back of the bus to the emergency exit because none of us wanted him sitting by us. The bus driver's son? <laughs> yeah. And the bus driver didn't do anything about it. She was laughing the entire time. Oh, <laughs> poor kid. Oh yeah, she gave us the duct tape. <laughs> Poor kid. Uh, on the injury news, though, Shea Theodore is expected to play tonight. Um, Emily Kaplan reported that earlier in the week, and Bruce Cassidy called him a game-time decision. Have we not made a big enough deal of Shea Theodore being out? We've talked a lot about Mark Stone. Well, we like- talked a lot. Jack Eichel's been so bad, he's kind of taken the headlines away from how much they've missed Shea Theodore. So we have downplayed it a little more than yeah. we probably should have so far because he's he's really good. He's a good player. And they've not had him for, I think it's five weeks now that they have been without Shea Theodore. Here's Zach Whitecloud was also on the ice yesterday. Non-contact, right. but that surprised me more than Shea Theodore given you and I both said when we watched Jack, uh, Zach Whitecloud go out, I thought, boy, that's, that's maybe a season-ending injury. Yeah. So... The interesting part on Theodore to me that that we haven't talked about, so shame on us. We've talked a lot about Jack Eichel and and production. Where are the goals? Where are the assists and all that? Shea Theodore is a potential goal scorer as a defenseman. Now, the Golden Knights haven't gotten many goals from defensemen since Cassidy took over. They don't shoot from the point nearly as much as they used to under DeBoer. But it's still somebody that can provide you some offense. It's still somebody who's got 18 assists on the year in just 29 games. It's still somebody that can give you some point production. And for a team that's searching for offense, getting Shea Theodore back should help. I don't know if it means he's coming back and scoring you know, two goals in the next two games, but it should be helpful. And when you're searching for points, you'd much rather have Shea Theodore out there than Caden Korzak or even right. Ben Hutton, who just scored a ben goal. Hutton, yeah. But they do not get goals from their defensemen. Petrangelo is the leading goal scorer as a defenseman. You know how many he has this year? Four. Five. Five goals in uh, 40 games, and he doesn't come off the ice in any of those games. Not so. <laughs> the only reason he's scoring any is because he's on there for 30 minutes. It's five for Petrangelo, four for Theodore in 29, and then Nick Haig, Daniil Marimanov, and Ben Hutton all have two. And those are the only goalies or defensemen to score more than a single goal this year for Vegas. They're not getting anything goal-wise from their defensemen, which... Probably hurts them, given that they have Petrangelo and Theodore, and they probably should be getting a little bit more production from those two, goal-wise. Coming up next, here on ESPN Las Vegas, Ben Brown joins the show. He's the only guest who says, have a good show. Wow, he's a data scientist? I guess he's slumming. PFF's Ben Brown joins Grady and Bischoff on the press box. Good morning, Ben. Hey, Ben. What's up, guys? How you feeling this Friday? We're good. Um, what is your favorite bet for the games this weekend? Yeah, there's, a, there's a few of them. I, I actually pressed pretty hard on, I would say, Juju Smith-Schuster in the latter half of the season once I realized that he really wasn't it and wasn't the answer that the Chiefs were kind of hoping for. So I really liked his reception prop last week. That actually adjusted, I would say, a fair amount, but... Him to go under like 48.5 receiving yards, I think it's pretty much a slam dunk. He isn't really getting any manufactured targets, isn't really all that involved on some like first read type throws. So he's kind of only been a bailout option in some of these like out routes, 10 to 12 yards down the field. And 
he's just not getting enough separation, I would say, to consistently win there. So outside of maybe like one or two targets, I just don't think he's going to be involved. So I very much like him to go under his reception or receiving yards prop on Sunday. And I think that is probably going to probably gonna continue to be my favorite bet, I would say, right now. Does Patrick Mahomes' ankle change your mind on any of his props? It definitely does. I mean, I think, like, you know, answering the question of how effective he is going to be is very much, you know, going to drastically shift your output or your outlook for how this game actually plays out. But it seems like, you know, we're hearing reports, we're we're seeing social media videos, we're seeing everything else to the point where it seems like he's going to be pretty close to full strength. Uh, so if if that happens, like I, I very much think that you know the, the Chiefs are probably the correct side given where the current spread is at. But uh, you know outside of that, like maybe he you know obviously doesn't have as much of the rushing ability, extending the plays, you know, and, and maybe some like the longest reception type stuff is impacted by the fact that they are going to have to rely more on a quick passing game. But um, you know outside of that, I would I would expect him to be I would say pretty close to form given what we're currently hearing. Have you seen a line drastically change in both directions in one week leading up to a game like the like the Bengals Chiefs line has? Yeah, I mean it does happen. Uh, you know, I would say in, in a lot of cases it does seem to be like the initial injury concern, and then maybe it's not as bad. But any of this movement, I would say, kind of like between the threes, like where we opened up with the Chiefs kind of at that minus three, minus two and a half number, and then moving to zero. Like there isn't a ton of, I would say, like. There isn't a ton of like uh, you know uh, things stopping the movement in between those twos and stuff. So we do see some gyrations, you know, between zero with you know teams being slight favorite to slight underdog, and that does happen. I would say probably more often than what people realize, um, and, and is probably going to continue to happen. So I know it's been a little bit you know uh, chaotic from a spread perspective, but. Um, I don't think it's overdone, and I just think it is, you know, part of the process of getting some like price discovery and the fact that these numbers, you know, in between twos, don't really matter a whole lot from, you know, it actually landing on either of those numbers. I would say. Do you think this line of Cincy can hold up yet again? So I think that is actually probably, you know, the other really important question because that was all anybody were ta- was talking about. That was all we talked about last week as well, and and they held up pretty well, I would say, but. Like they're, I would say they're not really getting any healthier. You know, they, there is some questions about who's actually going to be back in the fold this week. But I very much think this is once again going to be kind of a concerning spot. And I do think the Chiefs defensively do have some playmakers that can potentially take advantage of a down Bengals offensive line. So I know the Patrick Mahomes injury situation is kind of dominating the headlines, but I do think the Bengals as well, you know, are still really beat up along the offensive line, and that could very much impact the game. And guys like Chris Jones. You know, the interior pressure situation, like like that could be the biggest reason why the Bengals lose this game. So I think that's maybe, you know, an understated storyline after probably being a little bit overvalued or overstated last week. You uh, are under on Juju Smith-Schuster. Is there anybody, Chase, Higgins, Kelsey, that you think is going to have a monster game? I I do think it's probably Chase. If, you know, if, if anybody gets it done from the, you know, the, the Bengals side last week, I was really high on T. Higgins, but... You know, Jamar Chase is kind of, you know, in this this tier above, you know, basically everybody else outside of, like, Justin Jefferson, in my opinion. So he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his opportunities. I do think he will probably go over, you know, six and a half receptions, which is what his current prop number is. I don't know. I, I like a guy like Darius Tony. I do think the matchup for Travis Kelsey specifically is going to be really difficult. The Bengals have, you know, the second-best PFF coverage grade when tight ends are targeted on the season. 
Kelsey's had one good game against, um, you know, the Bengals over his last three, you know, matchups. I think that last year in the conference championship game, he was like 10 and 95 and a touchdown. But outside of that, he's been relatively quiet. So I do think, you know, a wide receiver from the Chiefs is going to need to step up. I don't think it's Juju. I do think it's probably going to be, you know, a guy like Kadarius Tony who is getting a ton of manufactured targets, is getting a lot of opportunities underneath and can also win, I would say, deep down the field as well. So I expect to see his snaps kind of boost up a little bit. He does seem to be the one guy that can kind of win quickly. And I do think if you buy into Patrick Mahomes, maybe you know, having a little bit of more concern with his ankle injury, like the, the Chiefs are very much going to have to implement this quick passing game. And, and outside of Travis Kelsey, I do think Tony's probably the only other answer for them in that regard. So him to go over some of his, you know, numbers, even his alt numbers, uh, I, I think the offense kind of has to go through him on Sunday, especially if the Chiefs are maybe playing from behind. Does it matter to you at all? Because you just talked about the offensive line that Joe Burrow's 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes when you look at his numbers. I think it definitely, you know, you know there's obviously the, it, it plays into like the matchup based things. And we, we do like kind of do a little bit, but not a ton from a modeling perspective just because it is such a small sample size. But like it does influence me personally and in in, in how I'm kind of evaluating it. But I, I would say, you know, even going back to like last year's conference championship game, I do think there are a number of things broke correctly for Cincinnati to the point where I think it was still a surprise that they won that game. So even though they went three and zero, the game last year, I would say as well in the regular season, like there were just some things that happened to the chiefs that, you know, probably could be considered a little bit unfortunate or, 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 or unlucky. Uh, they did get a lot of the breaks in both those games last year. So although I do read into a little bit, um, I'm probably not placing like as much of an emphasis on it as I would say other people are. Ben Brown with us from Pro Football Focus on the NFC side. If you're betting uh, rushing yard props, who do you think is going to go over in this game? So I do, I do really like Miles Sanders in this matchup. Um, you know, the the the, the 49ers are, I would say, very stout defensively. They are pretty stout from a you know a run defense perspective. I think they have like the fourth best PFF run defense grade this season. But where they have struggled and where they have had bad games, I would say, is with the mobile quarterback. And I think, you know, going into this playoff matchup, like, they're very much going to be keen off on Jalen Hurts and his rushing attack and, and trying to get the football out of his hands as quickly as possible. And we have seen, you know, in, in some of the studies that, you know, PFF has done from, like, a charting data perspective and some of the next-gen stats as well, like, there is a pretty big influence that a mobile quarterback can have on opposing defenses, and that does create a ton of opportunities for the running back, especially in those matchups. So I do think if the 49ers kind of overcompensate key in too much on Jalen Hurts, we are going to see a couple chunk plays from Miles Sanders. So him to go over his rushing yards prop, I like that one quite a bit. I also think the Eagles are going to be playing from ahead and not necessarily are going to have the exact same performance that they did last week, but I very much think they're going to be in control of this game. And when they do that, like we are going to see Miles Sanders get, you know, I would say an uptick in rushing attempts as well. So I like that quite a bit. I also think, you know, once again, going back to what we liked the Eagles last week, I do think the Eagles can definitely take care of the 49ers here once again. Um, so I'm definitely leaning in, I would say, that direction, especially on the spread. Uh, if they're playing from ahead, then what do you think about the numbers on Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, I, I don't think I would touch him, or I'd probably go under his rushing yards specifically. Um, I do think like the Eagles defensively match up really well with the 49ers wide receiver unit. So from a pass-catching perspective, it is going to have to be a lot of George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, and I think George Kittle specifically you know, might be held in check a little bit as well. So 
I would expect McCaffrey to be heavily involved, I would say, in the passing game. But, you know, I, I would say very much, I would say, probably take a back seat from a rushing perspective. So you think the Eagles are winning, and who's coming out of the AFC? I think it's uh, – that's a tough one. I do think it's probably going to be Chiefs, though. So I'm going – I know it's chalky, first seeds, everything else. I do think that, you know, the, the first seed pricing with them getting the buy, um, you know, in the home field advantage, everything else probably wasn't factored into the betting market as much as it should be. But I do think that's a pretty distinct advantage. So I do think we see both the Chiefs and Eagles end up in the Super Bowl. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So, Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus on the NFL playoffs. Jared is fist pumping as if Ben Brown's predictions mean the Chiefs won the game. I just needed <laughs> someone who was not one of you two to give me a little hope. Well, we both split on that one. Right, but I yeah, that's I, I needed I needed an expert. You needed a guy who studies this stuff 24 hours a day. It's going to be the Chiefs. I needed someone Relax. whose reasoning was not I like Patrick Mahomes or I can't go. I can't flip flop <laughs> on my picks. Why is I like, I like Patrick Mahomes is the only I reason like to him pick too. the Chiefs. There's no other reason to pick him. That guy's good. He's better than everybody else on the field. Even with whatever drugs Eric Bieniemy wants that are in his leg. Whatever they're giving Mahomes. Is Mahomes going to be able to give a post-game press conference after that game? Oh man, that will be that would be great. Did they whenever uh, Josh Jacobs was playing with like broken ribs and a dislocated shoulder? Did they let him talk to you guys afterwards? I think he talked at the. Uh, I think he talked at his locker. I need I need a Mahomes. Actually, I need a Mahomes pregame, like right before the game starts. Sideline reporter runs over to to see how he's feeling. That's what we. You might get Mahomes. that actually. We might. It, we might it'll be the most that. that Patrick Mahomes will have sound will sound like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. I got my third eye open. <laughs> the sun is the moon. Wolves. We're two. We're about two or three years away from uh, TV broadcast getting into the quarterback's helmet speakers and doing an interview that way during a play. Well, we've got outfielders doing it in the middle right. of the game. Right. The the funniest thing to me was during the playoffs, Fox would interview guys like after they hit a home run in the dugout yeah. while their team was still batting. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess it's baseball. They don't have anything important to do after hitting a home run. Just come back to the dugout and wait for the yeah. third out. But it was just weird. It's like, yeah, the game's still going on. And like, and have, they're kind of important games. Right. You're going to go picture in picture on Bryce Harper talking after <laughs> hitting a home run. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll jump into the NBA. Looking still to Tatum. Five seconds. Pull up for three. No good for the wait. Work for the rebound. Pitching it out. Brogdon fires. It's blocked by Brunson. And it's over. Brunson with the block at the end. Knicks 120 and Boston 117. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Sometime last week, uh, we both agreed that the Boston Celtics were the pick to win the NBA title right now. And then they lost three in a row. <laughs> Anyone's, <laughs> we, stopped, we stopped predicting our 50-pointers. We did, and Damian Lillard went for 60 the yeah. other night. Uh, nobody had 50 last night, I don't think. So, we'll see. You you want it, You want got one for the weekend? I'm just going to go with I LeBron. have to look at the games. Just I'm Luka. picking LeBron. Everybody plays over the weekend. Just pick one. Just pick a player that's probably going to play. Don't All pick right. Kevin Durant. He's hurt. Luca. All right. 
I got LeBron. LeBron's going to go for 51. Jordan, I got Luka. LeBron's no, coming. No, no, no. I got the field. LeBron's <laughs> coming for the uh, points title. He's going. He's trying to go for 50 every night. I think he just has to go he does for it. 50. He has to, yes, he does. To lose by six, LeBron's got to go for 50 every for night. 50. Um, LeBron and Giannis, by the way, were named all-star captains. Um, the other eight starters. So they, they break the starters out by East and West, but then they pick them. So it's not really an East West type game, but the other starters are Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, and Nikola Jokic. My main takeaway from the starters is Zion Williamson that popular already. Uh, you know what? That's surprising given his injury history. Yeah. And he's been out so much, and he's been barely out played. for so long, and he's and barely he's, played, and he's already an NBA All-Star starter. And he's played roughly half this a season, too. Like, he's been good when he's played. Oh, when he plays, he's really good. But I was I was just surprised, because the All-Star starters is a... Usually, it's a mix of the guys who are playing really well, and then some popularity, right? Because it's the fan vote who right. decides the starters here. So I was surprised that Zion was was a starter, right? Basically, we're saying he's one of the 10 most popular guys in the league right now. Maybe that's that is what the true. fans think. Yeah. So good for Zion, despite rarely. Well, he won't play. He probably won't play. Durant won't play. The Durant wants to play in the all-star game. Uh, who reported that? I cannot remember. Somebody from ESPN, I I'm think reported it. it that he's expected. He thinks he's, he thinks he's ready. He's expected to come back just before the all-star game. And that he, he said he wants to play in the all-star game. Well, he'd be one of my first picks then. <laughs> <laughs> what about James Harden? You're waiting to draft James Harden no. the very, very last? Come on. That's the fun of this whole thing. So your all-star game, and that's what they're doing. They're drafting them on the same night this year. So it'll be a pickup style. I assume they'll all be just standing on like the baseline and getting picked oh, like it's a playground. Can you imagine that? It'll be fun that the way. The last guy. It'll be great. Mr. Irrelevant. I think I'd want to be the last guy chosen. I mean, at least you'd get some publicity right. that way. If I, you're I, like the fifth guy chosen, right. no one remembers you. You know, you want to be first or second, whatever. But I think after that, I'd want to be the last guy chosen. Because then it's like, oh, poor whoever, last guy chosen of the All-Stars. Yeah, it'd be, be a good place to be the last guy chosen. Looks like you just set it in a scrum. So I've got it on the Athletic Sports Illustrated. Like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he talked to the media while he's hurt? Good. That's right. what it said. It said when he talked to reporters. Yeah. So he wants to come back and play in the All-Star game. Which, by the way, would you care that much about the All-Star game? Like, you're injured, you're trying to come back from an injury, and you're like, yeah, I really want to come back and play in that. I mean, how many has he played in? LeBron's played in 19 now. LeBron's been a captain every single year that they've done the captain picks the team type setup of the All-Star game. That's kind of impressive. I, I mean, guess his, Le- his, LeBron his, is kind of impressive. His career accomplishments, that probably doesn't make the first 50, but <laughs> I guess impressive. if I'm healthy enough to come back and play in a real game, might as well play in, the, might All-Star well play game. in the All-Star game. You get game. to just shoot. Nobody game. defends you. Yeah. It's no a great game. Yeah. yeah, it's a tune-up game. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he just really likes the Elam ending like I do. I think he just, you know, every once in a while you get tired of, like, you know, it's nice to just play basketball for the love, for, you know, the enjoyment of playing basketball in a game that doesn't really matter. I think that's what Durant does. Kevin Durant is absolutely the guy that just, he's like, I love playing basketball. Yes. Like all of his answers about the whole Kyrie, well, seven of the Kyrie Irving messes that he's been in over the last two years is all, he's always come back to like, I just kind of want to play basketball guys. (laughs) Can you leave me alone? (laughs) Like, 
I don't want to deal with this. I just want to play basketball. I just like that I don't have to bring my own shorts. They're just they're already there. Like this is I would be doing this anyway. But he's always been like that. Do basketball players bring their own shoes? I, I have mean, to are imagine. They, are they waiting for them? Because those when are not arrive? everybody wears different shoes. Like yeah. those are like all the, the uniform, you know, the team, the equipment guy supplies it. Right. Do they have to bring their own shoes to the arena? I mean, I would expect someone like Duran has 50 pairs waiting for him. Like, does Nike deliver them to yeah, the I mean, Nets I, equipment staff? There's some guy in the equipment room going, <sighs> you, you only are going to wear one pair a night. Yeah. You don't need to drop off 75 yeah. pairs. My guess is Nike delivers like 50 pairs and he just there's one waiting for him each night. So I can't a, believe he's walking into the arena holding his shoes. So there's a chance there's an equipment room mess up. And, and he gets the wrong he, shoes. He doesn't have any shoes. He's got to go out there at loafers. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have any shoes. I mean, when you see them walking in on the uh on the TV, I don't I've never I don't remember any of them wearing carrying shoes. I mean, some of them carry oversized bags, maybe their shoes are maybe in there. Maybe they're in that. That's a good point though. They it's, don't they don't care walk in with a gym bag. No. Like they're going to work out at EOS or something like that. Is there, there's there got to be the annoyance of the one guy on the team who's like, I like I'm really broken in, so if you could hire a guy with size 17 feet, <laughs> just have him run around in my shoes for a while before the game. <laughs> How much do you think that job pays? Do you have the same size shoes as an NBA player? <laughs> Would you like to run? We need run you to the, break run in the, the stairs shoes. in the arena twice and we're good. You run too much and they're like, you got to start over, dude. You broke these in too much. Now he can't wear them. These are these feel like bowling shoes now. He's supposed to be ready to play an NBA game out there. What? I wish it was just like bowling. You just show up and tell the equipment manager your size and he just throws a pair at you that have been worn for like 17 years. You're like, what are these? These are older than me. Ridiculous going bowling with those things on.